Good morning, V Friends, and welcome back to V Friends on Air. Today's episode is a fireside chat between CEO and founder of V Friends, Gary Vaynerchuk, and the chief brand officer of Jazzwares, Jeremy Padauer. This episode off the heels of our appearance at NSCC 23, the National Sports Collectors Convention in Chicago, Illinois, was set to go deep behind the collaboration of the upcoming release of V-Friends and Squishmallows. Four V-Friends characters are featured in this collaboration, which will release on August 7th at 12 p.m. Eastern time. That is the Adventurous Astronaut, Karma Kiwi, Intuitive Iguana and Humble Hedgehog. If you're a Series 1 owner of any of those featured characters, make sure to visit our blog to claim your free Squishmallows before the end of the claim window. Listen carefully here as the two share a bunch of wonderful insights as operators of their respective companies, but also as individual collectors and fans in the space. I think you'll really enjoy it. Some observations from the national, as well as some things to look forward to at our next major event being New York City Comic Con, October 12th through the 15th. For all information about our Squishmallows collab, you can check blog.vfriends.com for all of the release details. And I hope you enjoy this fireside chat with Gary Vaynerchuk and Jeremy Padauer. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very exciting afternoon. I am here with the handsome and smart Jeremy P. I'll let him say what's up in a second. The National felt like VCon, Jeremy. We had a great event. We'll get into that in a minute. But we are here to announce something that I think is one of the most significant days in VFriends IP history. I would argue that there have been very few sustained phenomenons to the level of Squishmallows. I, I believe that is because of the quality of the product personally, not just the pop culture hit. Uh, and for us to be able to be officially announcing this partnership in this format is a huge, huge deal. I'm humbled. I would, I would tell all of you that are watching, one of my great dreams when I started this IP was the licensing deals that we would make and where would I take this brand and what would I do with these characters? And obviously the trading cards thing is hot and heavy off of the national we launched an NFT form. We continue to be overly invested in the digital landscape, Jeremy, right? The concept of and, not or. Com- you can collect comic books and training cards. You can collect watches and wine. I think the world loves or in collectibles. I think people think they're fighting for share of wallet too much, but I think it's a blended you know, path when you're an intellectual property. And I would ar- argue that it is every current intellectual property's dream to do a collab with Squishmallows. So I am humbled. I am honored. I know that this is going to be the entry for a lot of people. There's a ton of people who've already, I mean, here's a story, Jerry. Actually, you know what? Before I get, I'm already too excited. Jeremy, why don't you say hello? Why don't you tell everybody who you are? And we will get into this, but I've got a good story right off the bat. All right. Well, first of all, you survived nationals. Well, well done. So I'm Jeremy Padauer. I'm chief brand officer at Jazzwares, and we are the number four toy company. It's, uh, we were just uh, acquired, believe it or not, by Berkshire Hathaway last October. It's been amazing to see something grow up like this. And, and we did it based on trend. We focused on gaming. We focused on social media-based stuff. So Pokemon and Halo and Fortnite and Roblox. And, and then, uh, you know, from a social media side, things like Coco Melon, we were very first there. And we had to rely on areas where the big toy companies were not playing because it's nearly impossible to compete in a very mature category unless you try to do something new and interesting. And uh, But we're very passionate toy people. And uh, as passionate toy people, I see it as passionate toy people, I'll tell you this, it's all about the love. So we Squishmallows is a phenomenon. You, you were right on when you said sustained and how unusual that is and uh maybe we can talk about that and and look i'm gonna pan out i'll show you a little bit of my squishmallows at the top there too i've got some i've got some uh, warren and charlie and i've got some uh, limited editions up there but uh no bottom line you know for me started a toy company we got acquired by jazzwares combined our efforts uh bought kelly toy which was squishmallows early got there really early we just had really good vision in this organization. Judd Zaberski is our CEO. Laura Zaberski is our president and and myself. Real quick, I'll start to interrupt you because this is a fun one right off the top and you know how I like to roll, Jerm. 
CEO Arsene said, new Beanie Babies. And I was saying to somebody at the National, they're like, a lot of people discovered VFriends at the National. Went home the first night, Googled it. The first thing that came up was the Squishmallows announcement because we just announced. Came back the next day and said, oh my God, I didn't even know about VFriends yesterday. I saw your crazy booth. I got a pack or a sticker. We did a lot of smart things at the National. I Googled last night, I'm gonna buy all of them for my son or daughter because they're crazy about Squishmallows. That happened like two or three times. I was talking to the team over dinner one night and the Beanie Babies thing got brought up. And I said, the difference was 80% of the people that were buying Beanie Babies at that era were buying it for the purpose of flipping it or its value. 95% of the people that buy Squishmallows buy it to use it. Yes, there's Squishmallows community that collects and flips, but it is a minuscule percentage of that market, it is a functional toy that people that grown-ups are addicted to from a comfort standpoint. And so I don't even see them remotely the same. I see this more like Cabbage Patch Kids and Power Rangers and Tickle Me Elmo, where there's an element of the collectability in it, but the fa- it's the it's the sizzle, the steak is the product. And actually, more than even the three toys that I just named. The form factor and the utility of the form factor, like there's a 25% pillow business in this. I think what you have is remarkable. So that was the answer to the gentleman who said, it's, you know, I think you can't even compare the two. They're totally different. And that's why, oh, by the way, they've acted different. This has now been around for quite a long time, sustained. Well, your intuition is so strong. Um, and that comes from a lot of places. Uh, but But yes, I mean, Squishmallows has been built on something very organic and not on a false premise. There's no false premise. It just is what it is. It's a it's a huggable, lovable, collectible world of over 2000 characters. We've almost sold 300 million units and it's getting it's gotten bigger every single year. It was actually launched in 2017 at Walgreens, believe it or not. And it was launched as a form factor, just something that was very much was exciting to our design team, the design team now at Jazzwares. And, you know, sometimes when you're dealing with brands and you launch brands, you have to have an enormous investment behind them. You know, maybe there's a license, maybe there's a movie, maybe there's a deal with Disney or some other major IP holder. But sometimes, and especially in the plush category, you can try things. And this was really a form factor that from the very first day hit just based on what it looked like and the easy, easy translation to practically everything. And it was protectable because there really wasn't a lot like it out there at the time. Everything had arms and legs and but yeah, this this is a this is it's it's truly a remarkable story and it's an unusual one. But you're right. And and you know for me I have to be careful about disparaging, but I will say that there are other brands that have existed that have been existing on a false premise. It was all about value or collectible, or you buy these and your kid's college is going to be taken care of. We've never made any claim whatsoever that there's a secondary market collectability, but part of our strategy is certainly to develop some more limited edition product and and have things that, that will delight collectors, kids, adults on their various levels. But yeah, you're, you're spot on in terms of the way you were intuitively thinking about that. We'll do this real quick. For everybody on Instagram and for everybody on YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook watching this right now, please answer really quick. Who here has Squishmallows in their home? Simple yes, no, in both chats, please, real quick. Because we're gonna get, you know, usually I'm rushed in these. We got a little bit of time here, which is nice. You know, staggering, staggering amount, I would say, quick hot take, the team will probably do this, but I would say at least 70, 30, 60, 40, and I have a lot of, I have an audience that's not the perfect pocket for you. A lot of 23 to 32 year olds, which I know a lot of them get into, but as you can imagine, if this audience was predominantly 10 and under or 45 and older or 38 and older as the parents demo. So like the high percentage of yes, I think mine's probably the most challenging demo because if there's any middle pocket, there's that in between of parenthood and childhood, even though I'm aware, because I'm paying attention to everything, how many teenagers in your early 20s love the crap out of this. Obviously, the hot steam is parents and, and children. And so, look, this is really penetrated. I guess my question, since 
I wanted to ask that question because I wanted to get a chance to understand where to take these questions. So now that I see it's a 70-30 kind of split, what's the most exciting thing going on in Squishmallow land for the 30% that don't know or to give a little alpha to the 70% that do know? You know, I have to say, that's what we thought, too. We thought that the older age consumer was going to be the secondary market for Squishmallows, like at traditional plush brands. Because if you look at the history of collectibles and secondary market valuation, most of that's been driven by things that are plastic. Dolls, action figures, those types of things have created secondary market. And Beanie Babies was a great example of a plush item that did have secondary. You can see it in, in other brands like Gund and, and Stife and brands that have been out there for a very long time. But we did our study in 2020, right before the pandemic hit. And we were shocked to find that our primary purchaser was older than 12. At the time, by the way, Squishmallows is around one-tenth the size as it is right now. Right now, it's the number one toy or collectible property in the world, which is shocking to all of us. But uh, number two right now, from a, from a toy perspective, from a toy and card perspective, is Pokemon, um, which we also have, which has been the blessing of our lives. But the bottom line is, so the things that are exciting, uh, we have 60 licensing partners um, and growing. It could be 100 by the end of the year. And those licensing partners cover things like footwear. And we have some amazing timepiece collaboration coming out. We have Eastside Games, which is launching a gaming in the mobile space. Some content that will be coming out from, from a streaming standpoint. And we have to be very careful with content because it can't be kid-like. It can't just be kid. It has to be innocent. But it can't just be for little kids because that's just one part of our overall market. And I imagine that you're sort of feeling similarly as you're developing Friends as a brand of very similar characteristics. Something hit me about a year ago, and it's been manifesting and um, kind of fermenting in the, the lab. This, I call this the lab. Much like music, sports, movies, TV, and fashion, those categories are now essential parts of life. Jeremy, right, you and I get to meet, we go out with our plus ones, we go over dinner, and we get to know each other. It's, our, it's a couple's dinner. Very quickly, after family, what do you do for a living? You know, you're now 35 minutes into the dinner. We're going into, what shows are you watching? You know, what do you guys like to do on vacation? Obviously, you wore clothes to it, and I'm gonna show up to that dinner as a 47-year-old in a T-shirt and a hat and sneakers. I'm projecting that I'm chill, like I'm casual. I'm not wearing, like, which is fine, because I am. Other people may wear a great suit and everything with a great watch, and they're presenting what they're into, which is the craftsmanship. Some people blast brands and their brand whore life. Like, everyone's allowed to do their thing. I've realized, oh my God, collecting the whole genre, is on the precipice within the next decade or two of being a genre. I believe in 15 to 20 years, it is a cultural genre. That you will go out to dinner or you meet something, like literally you meet somebody at a business meeting and you go out for drinks afterwards. And even if you know them, like a lot of people know me and they're like, how do you feel about Aaron Rodgers? Like that's, they want, you know, that's the question, right? I believe people are gonna ask people, hey, what are you collecting? How's your collection going between art and watches? and sneakers, and handbags, trading cards, NFTs. I'm aware of where that market is, but the reality is, is to your point, Beanie Babies didn't work out, but stuff, they, plush toys are forever. Stife in Germany, Gund, the teddy bear, Raggedy Ann, like, you know, digital collectibles will be here for the rest of our lives. Trading cards at the show, everyone's like, where do you see the future of the hobby in five years? Do you think it'll be around? I'm like, it's been around for, since the 1860s, there's been trading cards. They were presidents and animals back then. Now they're athletes and pop culture. But where do you sit as someone who I really respect on this in the genre of like, are you a buyer? And I know we're both enthusiasts, but because we're, how old are you, my friend? Uh, I'm going to be 50 in a couple of months. Happy birthday on a big one. We've watched this for the last 30 years. When, and I saw you kind of react when I said that. Do you sense that I'm right about that and what, and and then expand on it. Like, why? What are you seeing? Because I really, I'm like, oh my God, this is happening. Everyone is going to recognize that everybody collects. Your aunt might collect magnets. Somebody else might be collecting marbles. Somebody's got a grandma that's got little elephant statues. Trading cards are now mainstream. You know, like Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh. Obviously, with with B friends, we announced the TCG. 
and now people understand why there were numbers at the bottom of these cards. You know, like that whole world is real. That's a game changer. That really is. Trading card games are enormous. Get me to the punchline. To answer your question, I mean, like, absolutely. Number one, fandom has become so much more acceptable over the years. I mean, keep in mind, when I entered the toy industry, a toy executive or founder or, or entrepreneur would rarely have all this stuff behind them. It would, it, even if they were in the toy industry, even if, how many times, you remember 20 years ago, you talked to somebody who was in the entertainment business, they'd say, I don't really watch TV. And you're like, what? You know what? You don't watch TV? This is what you do? Like, get out of the room, dude. I'll give you, relate a story. 2000, year 2000, went to Comic-Con, and it felt very alt-culture. People talked about it as fanboys, fangirls, nerds, like nerddom. To your point, I'm sorry to jump in. I'm just so excited. I apologize, everybody. But like, in the same way that hippie culture was so alt-culture, so many things of the hippie era in the 60s are today normalized around the food, the you know mindset, the music, right? It, it your point in 2000 it felt really like super nerd culture and today it just like the biggest mainstream pop stars are wearing a dragon ball z t-shirt or a burton ernie like hat or what have you yes yeah i mean like so basically it went from 40 year old virgin which was considered weird and yes steve carroll was hilarious but he was basing his character on that alt culture to today every mainstream content distributor or creator, all actors, writers, everyone wants to be at these big shows to where they can show off all of their fandom. And you saw that at the National. So whether it's San Diego Comic-Con or whether it's a big card show, whatever it may be, what you're seeing out there is our desire as humans to connect with one another over something that we have in common. Fandom is a great thing to connect on. We have fandom in common. We might have a brand in common. Maybe we'll have sports in common. But it is all about commonality and breaking free of the old restraints that people used to have. So, you know, if you think about the old restraints, they were ridiculous. They were based on genetics. But guess what? We have a lot more in common than that. Personality types are way closer than a genetic pool. And I think what's going on is today we're connecting over things that really make us feel good about ourselves and make us feel good about where we are in a very complicated world. So I'm noticing more and more fun stuff behind people when I'm talking to them. Yeah, it's actually one of the very first things that I end up talking about. It may be because of my unusual position in the world of being a toy maker or a collector. Um, but the bottom line is everything that you're saying is coming to fruition in real time. So the last 20 years has had this huge sea change in terms of what is considered acceptable and how you represent yourself. I believe that the next 20 years is going to be even very, very interesting. You know, people are discounting, and I'm, I'm, I make physical product, okay, and I've made physical product my whole career, but people are discounting the concept of digital as well, because let's let's just, I'm going to grab something off my shelf. While you do that, I want to answer Jonathan T's question. Yeah. Why did it benefit Squishmallows to collaborate with VF? Big fan of this, just the incentive, incentive if you could explain. It might be a little bit of a hard-hitting question for you, uh, Jeremy, but I'd love to get your answer. Oh, I mean, it's just, it, listen, it's a meaningful community of people that care about each other. And the basis of VFriends is, you guys even say, it's a physical manifestation of metaphysical traits that improve your lives, uh, personal growth. It's a great message. So, yeah, of course, you know, and in addition to that, the characters are very much fitting into the Squishmallows universe. I mean, if you look at the characters that are behind Gary right now, whether it's Adventurous Astronaut or Humble Hedgehog or intuitive iguana or karma kiwi these characters are really easily adaptable into a squishmallows form so while that's you know i watched gary create v friends and i watched him draw those characters and it was really inspiring to me i thought it was very very impressive the, the way you iterate and the way your brain works and and you were entering into the digital space but to create a franchise that was native to the digital space at the time and, you know, from my perspective, what you guys did with us is you said, look, make it a Squishmallow and make it a V friend based on. So so we weren't given constraints. If you had come to us and said, it's got to look exactly like our V friends, it would have been too constraining. That's what we do with some of our other major brands. So you can see whether it's Pokemon or whether it's something like V friends, it really is Squishmallowized and it all makes sense. Another beautiful community that where we can touch 
and we can associate and we can expand our message and expand yours. That's a beautiful thing. The la- we launched the collaboration in a week or so on the 7th. In the U.S., it's going to be on your website, right? Yes. Is that on the Squishmallows website? Yes. And internationally, it's going to be on shop.vfriends.com. But I'm making some predictions. Just knowing the vfriends community, this astronaut is going to be tough to keep in stock. By the way, big shout out to your team. We knew we were walking into one of the most important you know, IPs and collaborations. So we wanted you to be able to do what you needed to do. But you converted our characters into something just absolutely remarkable. We're just so happy with the way they look. What I'm excited about is we've got a little bit of a wink wink too. We are going to Comic-Con with BeFriends in New York City. So that's a big announcement for everybody who's watching. We will be at the Javits Center, which is a hop and a skip from my office. Do you, Jeremy, do you know when these are shipping? Um, Does I, anybody on my team know? Because that wouldn't be on mine and Jeremy's full detail. I believe we have them in our domestic stock. I, I need to triple check, but I don't think they're shipping very far after the orders are being taken. But I don't want to mislead anybody. We'll get clarity on that. The team will let us know. But we're hoping that if these are being delivered in time and you're going to... New York Comic Con to bring your Squishmallow to us. We got a little bit of a fun thing. So we'll make sure those are the NFT is the alpha. Series one B friends is the punchline of like our collectible universe. But we build, you know, from our standpoint, why Squishmallows, as you can imagine, this is going to be discovery for so many people. So many people are so infatuated with this product that this is going to be discovery of these characters. And that's a very, very, very big deal for us. Yeah. First of all, thank you. Uh, you know, Squishmallows has been a dream because it's a platform. It's, it's, it's a blank canvas for us to apply a lot of different brands on it. You know who else has done a great job with that? I'll call out another company. It's Funko and Pops. They have a beautiful platform in terms of the way that they can do plastic. We have a beautiful platform in the way we can do plush. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think that really covers the reason why we wanted to do business with you. But another thing that I'd just like to say, just address is the idea of a physical versus a digital asset and and how much they actually have in common. Because I think a lot of people go, oh, it's a physical collectible. Okay. And maybe it's got, maybe it's valid because of that. And this is a digital collectible. And maybe there's some something that they feel invalid because of that. Well, let me, let me give you a quick tutorial. It'll take 10 seconds to explain the difference between a physical and a digital good. Okay. So this is a replica. This is not real. It's a replica of an Illustrator PSA 10, okay? My buddy, Dubsy, I went to Dubai and it was part of that transaction, a $5 million card. But let's just say for a moment, this is real, okay? And let's just say this is a $5 million real deal, which it is not, but let's just say it is. It is nothing more than a piece of paper. So over here, you have a digital good with the intrinsic value being zero, okay? Outside of hard work that was put into it. There's no physical intrinsic value. Over here, you have something that is a physical good with an intrinsic value that may just be a couple pennies. So at the end of the day, what makes a digital property valuable over time is the continuity of the licensor, whether the person who's managing the IP actually is managing and developing a long-term franchise plan. And number two, it really comes down to whether there is too much other conflict-oriented stuff happening in the market. Imagine for a moment if Pokemon had issued 300,000 different card sets. None of their stuff would have the value that it has right now. You had NFTs going from a scenario where you had 100 programs that were viable to 1,000, to a million, to tens of millions. That's right. In a very short period of time. You said it from day one. 99.9% of them are going to go to zero. I happen to agree with you. That's the case with everything. I was at National Sports Park. 99% of sports cards are zero. It's well, it's true. 99% of art is zero. 99% of watches is zero. 99% of sneakers is zero. People always get confused about that. Now, with new things like NFTs, like sports cards, sports cards, Jeremy, from the 1920s to the 1970s, 50 years, people didn't see the collectible value in them. People were putting Mickey Mantle rookie cards in their bike spokes, sneakers. If I knew what Jordan 1s were worth in 1985, I would have bought them for 40 bucks and kept them or 100 bucks or wherever they were. And so like things always ebb and flow. But let's go back to 
a couple of functional things because we've got a lot of people and I haven't been able to jump in. I'm asked the Be Friends team to jump into all the comments. So they'll be helping you with logistics. We are launching a, just a reset for everybody who's joined us, Squishmallows and Friends are coming August 7th, 2023. We're so excited. A lot of people are pounding us right now. Even my admin said your inbox is full of questions on how they get this. Couple things. We are gonna give everybody the first announcement, first lead from the VFriends account. So go to vfriends.com and create an account, um, even if you don't own an NFT, because that will get you, when you sign up for the email, newsletter, and text, you'll get the info first. So if you can make the copy, go to vfriends.com to get, and sign up for an account to get the info first. Pull that on the bottom. It's coming out next week. In the US, it's gonna be on Squishmallow's website exclusively. In international buys, it's going to be on VFriends website on shop.vfriends. We're really excited about this. We apologize in advance for sellouts. We're, we're not reprinting. We've got 260 plus characters. Hopefully if this goes well for Jeremy and team and goes well for us, these aren't the only four characters we ever do. Uh, we are gonna be at Comic-Con in New York City in October. Hopefully if logistics get this to you in time and we'll update you about this if we know that they're in people's hands. We do want you to bring your Squishmallow to the booth. We've got a plan and a little surprise if that all works. So there's some exciting stuff going on here as we continue to build this intellectual property. VFriends was just at the National Sports Card Convention where we dropped the new TCG game. We had our first tournament. It was super excited. We had thousands of people discover the brand. Jeremy, I know you're paying attention always. Oh, is it on jazzwares.com, not on Squishmallow's site? Is that true, Germ? So I'll double check. I imagine that it would be on either, but uh, it could be it could be either on Jazzwares Vault program or yeah. Squishmallows.com. But I'll I'll triple check. Yeah. Go to go to vfriends.com, create an account, make sure you get the newsletter if you really want to move fast because you're you've got a crazy Squishmallows family or you're a crazy vfriends person, you might want to get on the tech stuff. Uh, and get the text because that's even faster. But we're really excited about this. We've got the astronaut, the adventurous astronaut, the humbled hedgehog, the karma kiwi, and the intuitive iguana will be the first launch with uh, with Squishmallows. Um, Jeremy, did, were you paying attention from home on the National Sports Card Convention? Any observations from the social content or anybody on the street? Or is that is that a world that you guys are further away from? You know what? I'm I'm very connected to it just as a collector. But I so I, I what I what I had picked up on was just the the scale of it. Yes. You know, like I said, I've seen Comic Con grow to a couple hundred thousand people. Watching the Nationals grow to over a hundred thousand was uh, eye opening. Um, and seeing people after the Nationals close trading on the floor and continuing expanding the the footprint of a giant show because of their love and fandom and desire to be part of that community was pretty awesome. Um, I also heard that things were pretty expensive and that a lot of the deals weren't really being done until some of the last days, which also makes sense because look, people are being, uh, they realize how hot that, that physical space is. Uh, you know what, Gary, I'd like to <clears throat> address one additional thing that you mentioned. And that is, you know, talking about V friends and what happens when you develop a franchise. So yes, the native component of vFriends was vFriends Series 1 NFT program. But when you become a franchise, you're not native to any particular category of content. You are everything. You're your you're consumer products program. You're your partners. You are the TV or the streaming that you put out. Just because you were native to one area doesn't mean that that's your only area. It may just be that is the originator. And so I, I do think that that's something that people misinterpret. If something's born on TikTok, it doesn't mean that it's always going to be just a TikTok. Are you kidding me? Harry Potter was just a book. Right. You know, I mean, like like Looney Tunes was a Saturday morning cartoon. Raggedy Ann, I don't remember its first form factor. De you know, like, you know, James Bond was a movie. Like, like Star Wars was a movie. Like, right. you know, Pokemon was, a, you know, you know this. Actually, was Pokemon originally TCG, then video game is like, that was a starting point, right? Yeah, it, it, it was really rapid fire. I mean, Strawberry Shortcake was a greeting card. Yeah. Strawberry Shortcake came from a little character on a greeting card to say like, happy birthday, or like, I'm thinking of you and became an iconic yes. IP. So people don't get caught up over an origin story or, or otherwise, I'm just a kid from Memphis 
that doesn't have any connections. You always ask me, Jeremy, I'm like, hey, Gary, you're building out this brand and all these other places. What's that going to do for my NFT? I'm like, if there wasn't Marvel movies, people wouldn't be buying Deadpool comic book number one. That's right. That's exactly right. So it's just part of a story. It's part of a bigger story. When you're creating a franchise, you're creating something that you want to be in a lot of places. Everything starts in a singular place. A lot of the current IPs started as video game form. Super Mario was a dude in a Donkey Kong game in 82. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Gary, I'll tell you again, the way we built our business was on video game properties. No other major toy company was touching them. We were up and coming. We were new. We were fresh. We got Fortnite, Roblox, Pokemon. We got all the big ones. Why? Because people are so myopic. You Don't were myopic. Oh, real quick. My team is farther along on our plan than I thought for the hardcore VFriends community. This is specifically for you. Uh, the Thursday of Comic-Con is a very good day to be there. I'm going to leave it at that. That's the alpha. Spread it to all the other hardcore we don't want to make it too big, but I feel like this is the appropriate place to put the first seed of alpha. And I know that the community oh, awesome. will share that. And I want to make sure you plan your travel schedules as you make it. So the Thursday of Comic-Con is going to be the day you want to be there minimally. That is really smart. So that's that's borrowing from the page book of Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, and many others before you with your first edition or alpha series. Is that what I'm hearing? We're doing, like, we need a super sticker, which I don't think I have here, but I was very affected by the 1980s vending machine stickers. You know, the, the jewel, you know? So we unveiled our super stickers at the National. If you go to eBay right now and type in VFriend super sticker, we really did it right. They only, they weren't even available at our booth. Wow. They were only given to the 6,000 VIP bags for the people that ordered the VIP package from the National itself. So a lot of friction to get them. You know, because I've been doing this for 35 years and I've seen the stuff that's been overpopulated, underpopulated, the junk wax era, what's working for you that didn't work maybe for other things, uh, why Valiant and Spawn and Image Comics worked for a little while but then didn't work. You know, I think as we enter these places like Comic-Con, what's unique about VFriends is I, the human, have a very large platform and community and the IP is young. And obviously some of it's transferring. But, you know, to me, you know what I loved about the Sports Card National that will be replicated at the Comic-Con, except I think I have to leave for one day of Comic-Con and come back. But pe there's people that got to spend five minutes with me at the National who've emailed me 337 times, 400 PMs, have gone to seven different conferences with the hope of getting a minute. To me, what's great about, I said to my team last night on the flight home, I said, man, I'm gonna love building this brand because this is blocking and tackling. This is being in the trenches. I was handing out these, you know, we're doing this incredible thing with a vending machine, right? So we have vending machines coming with these little 50 cent toys, which I, I, I did the smart thing and I, I paid more, Jeremy, you're gonna like this because you nerd out on this stuff. Look how detailed, my little alpaca here. I like the tooling. Yeah, yeah the tooling, I like, you know, I paid more so it actually looks like it. You can tell, right? Yeah, it's That's hard like, to get through those undercuts yeah. in something unless you put quality into it. This one smells like bubble gum. Oh, that's like, good. So the scent, there's rarities. You know, it, it's a pencil topper. And like, I'm really thinking about building this IP, and, you know, but I said to the team, I said, man, this is hand-to-hand -hand combat. This is, <laughs> really, I was standing by the vending machine and handing out little toys to kids walking by, giving them free cards. Like, I'm really serious about the hand-to-hand -hand combat of this game. This is a hand-to-hand -hand combat game. And this is not an overnight thing. The NFT thing went so high, so fat, like it got a little crazy there. It confused a lot of things. But like I said early on, this is a 20, 30, 40 year play for me. Like, I can't believe I got to pull off. I always thought that I would start a marketing company and buy an IP, flat out. And I was gonna buy Smurfs or Gumby or Popeye. And that's what I wanted to do. But NFTs, much like Saturday morning cartoons, much like video games, much like iPhone, like the, the iPhone came out and created a format that allowed Angry Birds IP to exist. Yeah, absolutely. Origin, the origin. That's right. NFTs allowed me to launch BeFriends, but now I have to do everything, including NFTs and Web3 and Metaverse. And, and it's just really exciting. And like, I'm so up for the challenge because I was happier the last four days sitting on the floor, pricing cards, talking to people like in the dirt, you know, in the, like I literally told the team yesterday, I want to go to the Meadowlands flea market and just set up a table 
for hand-to-hand combat of like, here's how the game's played. Here's a little toy kid. Here's you know some of the squishmallows. Anyway, real quick, I, I don't think we're gonna put out the numbers, but I can tell you, if you love the Karma Kiwi, make sure you buy that one first when the gates open next week, because it's gonna be a little harder than the others. No, this is, they're definitely limited, and it's it's definitely a scenario. It's it's if you look at the hang tag, it's under our select series. So we have several series of hang tags. One is um, our common, and then we have rare, ultra rare, and special edition, and then we have select series, which is uh, the black hang tag. And break that down. I want people to learn. Yeah, no. So <clears throat> the everyday series is the common series, and that is you'll find that on <clears throat> our non. I would say our everyday highest volume items. Rare is lower quantity. Ultra rare is has a gold bottom and it's significantly lower quantities. By the time you get to special edition and select, you're in pretty rare air. So you guys, you know, th- this is a very challenging and awesome product to get your hands on. The most surprising thing for you in the last year with Squishbellas. I would say that the most surprising thing, hey, my voice is back. Awesome. The most surprising thing um, about Squishmallows in the last year for me has been every time we think we've hit the plateau in terms of where this where this is going to be in the zeitgeist. It continues to smash through it. And we want longevity. We don't want a phenomenon that is here and gone. So we're constantly under shipping. And that's, by the way, a piece of advice that I have to anybody that's launching a brand. Someone told me a long time ago, a mentor of mine, he said, you know, if you undership something by a unit, you're a jerk. And he said, if you overship it by a unit, you're a jerk. He said, so be comfortable if you're manufacturing products with being a jerk, but don't overship because then you'll just be out of business. So don't capture every dollar. And, and we didn't. But it's amazing to me how things continue to grow and evolve. I do believe that what we have here is an evergreen program, much the way that you've seen with brands like Barbie and much the way you've seen with brands like Hot Wheels or some of the wonderful brands that Hasbro has. We've just created something with extraordinary longevity. And and I think we've come to terms with that and our partners have as well. And so 20 years from now, hopefully we can, you know, celebrate some milestones together for V friends and for Squishmallows and, and uh, toast to longevity, because at the end of the day, that's the only thing that matters. There's a question I'm asked a lot, and now I'm asking you not as a, a Squishmallows exec, I'm asking you as a collector, you the human. People ask me a lot, there's 268 characters in Be Friends. I did that because I wanted to do this forever. I think of it as Marvel that way, which is like, it took years before they really focused on Black Panther. Right. People are asking me, how did I pick these characters, right? A, I thought about which characters would translate to Squishmallows well in Squishmallows form. Like, Humboldt Hedgehog is just cute as hell in this form. (laughs) Like, I think people are gonna land on your site or like people that are fans of my business content are gonna show this to their son or daughter. They're like, I need that. So there was a little bit of like, this is the form factor we're going in and the Humboldt Hedgehog matters. But then also I think about things like, you know, a six year old asking their mom, what does, or dad, what what does humble mean? And I actually think humility is like one of the scariest things in the world, meaning if you are lucky enough to develop it, your life gets 73,000 times better. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. That's one of our core pillars at Jazzwares, collaboration, passion, and humility. Um, humility is so underrated, I will tell you. And the purpose of Friends is be competitive, but do it in a nice way, right? And so I think humility is hidden sometimes from people that are loud or aggressive or you know, strong. A lot of people on my team used to watch my content and then they work for me. Without a shadow of a doubt, the most common theme is a year later, they're like, if they bring it up or if I'm like, hey, what did you learn this year? They're like, man, from the outside in your content, it's hard to see the humility from the day-to-day operations. It's the most obvious thing. And so a lot of like what I think about is like, how do I put traits that I know are universally powerful? That's why Humble Hedgehog was chosen out of 268 because I thought it would look amazing. And I think it, I mean, this is like ridiculously cute. No, I'll just add one thing to that and say some of the greatest brands in the world have extreme breadth of line, but then they also have focus. So even if you're talking about like WWE, they have their top of the card talent, they have their main card talent, 
And then they have their, you know, off TV talent, you know, Star Wars, Pokemon. Well, my favorite Star Wars character was, because I answered this this week at the National during a Star Wars pack. My favorite Star Wars character by a country mile is Greedo. (laughs) That's awesome. I mean, Greedo literally, I don't know, what's his screen time in all nine movies? Like 18 seconds? But when I was five, he was green on green. I was already a Jets fan, like, 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 or like green was already my favorite color, which probably led to Jets thing or whatever. I don't really, it's a little blurry, but like Greedo was my guy. That's who you connected with. And by the way, that's part of when, again, at Comic-Con this year, I'm walking around and what I notice is that the, the costumes and the fandom is getting more and more obscure and more and more specific to people. So yeah, having a brand that has Superman, more fourth tier, you know, more Rhino from Spider-Man. And then less general Spider-Man, more Spider-Man from this specific comic that was viral. Yes? Is that what you're saying? Yes. And starting with that many characters just means that it gives you the leeway to do a lot of very cool things over a long period of time. And that's you 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 were right. With Marvel, that's what you're seeing. You've seen it in you've seen it in all kinds of great brands. Uh, if you limit yourself, then then you uh, then you set up a whole new set of problems. Back to the supply thing, like one thing I'm scared about with this drop is the quick sellout. We we made a good we we felt confident with how many uh, national exclusive pins we made. Actually, let's go into that, Jeremy. I don't think I understood what goes on in pin life. Isn't it great? It's beyond. We did it at the Nas- our VCon. It is taken on a life That's of its cool. own. This is not released yet. The pin thing in V yeah. If you go to V pin on eBay right now, like the pin thing. I don't think I had a sense of how insane. Oh, yeah. It's a multi-generational collectible category. And you can think about it. Think about it. Of all the collectibles that you can remember that maybe a grandparent had, coins, stamps, and pens. Pens on people's hats. Or they'd go to Disney and they'd come back with a whole. I knew the Disney thing. I knew the Olympics thing. I crushed on flipping. Oh, yeah. Olympic, Olympic pins at garage sales to, was like some of my best flips. Oh, awesome. I didn't realize how contemporary the pins thing was. It's like banana. So anyway, we, we like first day, half day with a limit on it, done with pins. <laughs> wow. You know, I think w- with this, we we put real numbers into our production in the scheme of where I think our community's demand is. So I feel confident that people won't sell out. I'm a little worried about the Kiwi, but like in general, and I think the astronaut's popularity is going to be a beast. And I think then th- th- this, the iguana and the, and the humble hedgehog are so cute, like literally somebody landing on your website that has never heard of me, V friends, is just gonna be like, I want that. So we had a real strategy to how we think about it, but in the collector's world, how do you think brands handle it best? I'm even taking away your world. I'm talking to Jeremy the collector now. When they do have sellouts, you know, how do they how do they how do brands handle that well for the people that might be doing limited edition merch or things in their world? I think when you when you're controlling a brand, when you're the IP owner. I think being very transparent with the community is the best way to go. And for me, what I often say is that exactly what I said to you before, if you overship a brand, if you overship something, it is the fastest way to the end of that brand. Either retail hates you because they're stuck with stuff that they can't even sell at a discount, or you're in a scenario where the secondary market of anything that people has purchased has collapsed because the supply was too great for something that you're putting out there. So I think just being very transparent, communicating to the community that you're never going to overship, that you're going to assess, and that each time you drop, maybe you'll extend the supply a little bit in order to find where that equilibrium is. But the best brands in the world make themselves, the word is not exclusive because the objective is not to be exclusive. The objective is longevity. The objective is longevity. And longevity means that you can't overship. So yes, limit supply until you have an absolute definitive understanding of where your equilibrium is. And I think being very open about that is the key. As we wrap up here, where can people find you? Because I think you're bigger than the executive that you are and you're a great executive, but you're a great collector voice. Where can people find you? Well, personally, I, I guess on uh, on Instagram or what was formerly named as Twitter, uh, you can find me. I, do we have to call it X now? Like, is the like? Do we call it X? I don't know. I don't know. But I'll tell you, this guy, this guy talking about a disruptor. This is a disruptor right here. This gentleman. 
I, I've never seen anybody go into a brand and wipe it clean of its former branding, especially when it's one of the key brands in a space. It would be like Disney changing their name to one letter word. It, who knows what's going to happen? This is actually a little alpha. What do you think about fictional characters or non-athlete trading cards? Because that is a vibe I got from this show. I think you got to be careful. I mean, I think I think the bandwidth is only so broad, okay? And if you start creating the same systems of collectability for absolutely everything that you do for traditional trading cards, there is a tipping point. And even with rarity, there's a tipping point. And so I, I do think that, and I'm kind of hopeful that, you know, now that there's a little bit more concentrated management and development in that card space, and you can, I'll just call a spade a spade, Fanatics is jumping in and doing a lot there. My hope is that they do exactly what we've talked about, which is slow, controlled growth over time and trying things that allows them to have longevity. Because at the end of the day, remember that deal with Topps Baseball was 70 years old. You know, it was 1952, 71 years old. So be in it for the long game, be in it for legacy. And my hope is that, no, that they don't try to turn absolutely every possible category into the next way to have a one-of-one parallel. You know, there's only so much to, to go around. And what about TCG games? I know you're so deep, Pokemon. You know, I, I cannot believe what happened at our tournament. One of the, you know, I made a really smart decision and hired consultants from the outside to develop. Really smart. I'm really glad I did it, Jeremy. Like, honestly, like, they came back with something I couldn't even comprehend. And the poker, so our game has this poker dynamic to it that is just literally the semifinal round of our first alpha tournament at the National. Both guys had sunglasses on. It literally was like World Series of Poker. They're literally World Series of Poker, and they're looking at this card in their deck. That's awesome. And they're, like, looking at the numbers down here. And I'm like watching this, and I have a surreal moment. 50 people surrounding them. The live streams are going crazy. The tension was super real. And I looked at my best friend, Brandon, who I grew up with since I was 14, and my buddy Moose from college, who used to go with me to Toys R Us at like 7 a.m., wait for the stock guys to get there to get the hard to get action figures. And I just had this moment of like, my God, I'm always blessed, and I've been on Gratitude Gorilla my whole life, but like, like, this is insane. Like, I can't wait to go to every hobby shop, every gaming shop, and one by one get kids to play this because I think we got something here. What do you know about TC, back to Magic, Yu-Gi-Oh, Dragon Ball Z? What what do they do well? What, the, what, what do you have to watch out for? What's your take on TCG? TCG is one of the most powerful areas that you can possibly get into if you create the right platform of gaming. And it is really smart to work with people that have done it before when you're developing your own platform. And, and I got to tell you, beyond anything else, as, as someone who's been around a company from day one, being a day one founder in the toy space myself, it's hard to look outside when you've got so much talent yourself, okay? That's about, that's about humility and being humble. To say, just because I know something about this, just because I was at the inception of something, yes. doesn't mean that I don't need help in order to make something great. So the number one thing you said just then that hit me was that is very smart that you work with people that have probably been in trading card gaming for decades because they live and breathe the underlying platform and then attaching that platform to the right brand and doing it in a way allows you to have longevity, which I think is again key to everything. And so, yeah, trading card games, in my opinion, pound for pound, if you look at native trading card game properties, they have longevity, they have enormity, they have community, they have all of these things that make for something to last. And uh, I think that uh, if you're establishing a system where people can play a thousand times and have sort of different exciting things happen each time and then have something at stake and then have something attached to the fandom, you're doing the right things there to develop something that will last for a long time. I'll leave with this and I'll give you the last word, Jimmy. We need to get into and culture. I heard a lot of people at the National and I'm gonna see it at Comic-Con as well. It's just how people do it. You fall in love with something so much, you decide that you think you're shitting on other things because of your thing. Oh, why are people buying magic cards? They should just be buying basketball. Football cards are the best. Vintage versus new. 
let people collect what they want. Love your thing and don't tear down other things. I might not, maybe I'm surprised by, you know, pins because it wasn't my jam, but the sneakers thing that we're doing with Reebok, I understand because I understand sneakers, right? Like, and so letting it be an and game as a final part, like, like cheer for others. I don't collect marbles, many do. I'm, you know, like let people collect what they want to collect and be happy for them because there's room for all of it. Just because you're not, just because they're not collecting your thing, don't be selfish and want them to so your thing goes up. Understand that there's a million ways to collect and be into and versus or. Yeah, and on that same vein, on the and vein, the next big thing is still coming. That's always going to be the case. Whether it's the next way to enjoy content or the next way to play or the next way to collect, and it could be you that actually develops it. Jeremy, thank you for being on. Deal real quick. He said, super stickers for Europe, international people. Not only is that, because we have 268 characters and there will be a super sticker for all. Some of these super stickers are only gonna be available internationally. So we have a lot of fun ways we're gonna distribute. We're gonna push the boundaries of distribution and how. Uh, everybody, we'll see you next week. Go to befriends.com, create an account. You don't need to own an NFT to have an account on befriends.com. You wanna do that. If you want to get the Squishmallow collab, Jeremy, thank you for being on. We'll have more info for all of you. Love you. Have the best day. See ya. And that's our show. Hope you really enjoyed this fireside chat. Please share your feedback with us on social, vFriends, Twitter, vFriends, Instagram, or otherwise using the hashtag vFriendsPodcast. And as was mentioned, the little bits of alpha, if you can make it to New York City for Comic-Con Thursday, October the 12th, make sure to bring your VFriend Squishmallows with you for a fun surprise. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We'll be back next week with a 5-5 at 5.55 Spaces. Remember, you can join us live on VFriends Twitter Spaces at 5.55 p.m. Eastern Time every Wednesday. Hope that you're having an absolutely wonderful start to the week, and we'll see you in the next one.